One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good morning, School of the Holy Spirit. Glad you could all be with me today. Um, We're going to continue this series we're doing about uh, apostolic DNA and the true power that the Lord wants to pour out upon the earth um, has to be embraced in a value system where the apostle, a true apostle, oversees and establishes an intimate place um, with the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, Paul, Paul illustrates this concept. He talks about um, signs and wonders being a true um, aspect of the apostle. Um, and the only way that happens is through an intimate dynamic um, where the people, the body, are spurred to be intimate with the Holy Spirit and, and know how to do it, know how to expect in it, um, and become confident that the Holy Spirit is your strength and not the name on the building or not the church uh, denomination or not a location or a, a condition. Um, it has everything to do with intimate knowing of the Spirit of God. And it's as simple as that. Amen. And so I want to I want to continue on this theme that, that we're talking about um, because the same anointing the same intimate anointing that reproduces also breaks people away from the law. Okay, and there's a lot of theology, there's a lot of mixed theology today where you have churches that are embracing, starting to embrace the Holy Spirit, but have not yet given up the law. Okay, they don't, they, they haven't been able to um, create an environment to where literally the law is is no longer the centerpiece instead it becomes the holy spirit and because both are allowed to live um it's a confusing place and many of you a lot of the calls that i get a lot of the people asking for help with deliverance um are dealing with feelings of condemnation and guilt induced by the law they claim the holy spirit but they still um give great value to the law and you have to realize that the law, either one one lives or they're, they're, uh, uh, either one lives and the other dies, or they both end up creating a confusing concept um, in the in the uh, in the world of Christianity. Okay, and so um, you know, just emphasizing the fact that the way Jesus builds. Um, you know, in John 6, Jesus Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And, um, you know, in order to build, Jesus starts saying things like, drink my blood and eat my bread. Okay? And what he's talking about is, you have to become intimate with me. You have to um, eat at my table. You have to hear my voice so intimately um, that I can actually use you and use you as a platform to build my kingdom on the earth okay and you know in you know in today especially in america and you know you get this weird concept of people that don't understand the way jesus builds they say things like you you hear these prophetic guys say things like yeah we're gonna fill a stadium i see a vision we're gonna fill a stadium and Listen, that may be all well and good, but you will never, ever fill a stadium until you have an intimate foundation and a sanctuary that so values intimacy that you have something worthy of reproducing, okay? And so reproducing, as we said in the last session, um, you know, the Lord has been really hitting on this um, Isaiah uh, 28, verse 9, um, statement. He asked the question, he says, to whom will I teach knowledge? Right? He says, it's actually the question of whom will I teach Yada, 
intimacy. Whom will I reveal my way, right? And in that scripture, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, the Lord actually facetiously says, is it the guy repeating scripture, precept upon precept, line upon line, trying to drill teaching concepts into the people? In verse 11, if you read the Amplified, he says, No, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. So the Lord is actually saying the way of intimacy is praying in tongues. Okay? That may freak some people out. But here's the deal, guys. It's the way of the Lord. It's His Scripture. It's His Bible. Okay? And He's the one that revealed. He's the one that took me through a decade ago, a season of separating me from the church because He couldn't teach me um, if I was still following the same process, he actually took me out to a wilderness for years to teach me intimacy. People say, how did you come upon these revelations? How did it happen? Well, the Lord broke me away like the Lord, like the pattern of David, right? The pattern of the prophets. He breaks people away. He takes them out into the deserts and bursts things to them because no longer are they listening to normal Christian, uh, normalized junk right? The way of what's accepted church practice. But when he gets you out into a desert and you can hear his voice, he teaches you things that he could never teach you inside of an organization, inside of a church, because you're bowing to a historical long system of thinking. Okay. And the Lord in this hour, um, especially over the last five, 10 years has broken many people who are going to bring a reformation to the church. He's broken them away to teach them intimacy, to teach them ways that the current church could never embrace until you bring somebody in who will break a dead thing and release the new thing. Amen. And so I just want to emphasize, you know, what we walked through in the last session. Um, we talked about we talked about how uh, the super the supernatural power of intimacy is the platform for the outpouring of dreams and visions. Right, the Lord says, "I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You will dream dreams, have visions." That's Joel two twenty eight, um, and those those dreams and visions are the platform by which you flow in all nine gifts of the spirit. Healing happens with visions. Right, the 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 gift of uh, prophecy, words of knowledge happen with visions of intimate relationship with the Lord, and so the pattern of Pentecost is you pray in tongues, you get visions that produce prophecy, which then produce intoxication, and the church is multiplied, and that's what a real sanctuary should look like. Okay, a real sanctuary is not about simply one guy standing in a pulpit and everybody saying, well, that was a great message. That was good. That was that sounded awesome. That tickled my ears. That made me feel good. Um, a real sanctuary is about intimacy, the Lord touching his people. The Lord actually wants to get intimate with his people. Okay, and a shepherd that has that value system. Right. We talked about Jeremiah 315, that the Lord um, in the final days will awaken shepherds with a value of knowledge. And, and as we said, the word knowledge, there's the word yada. It means intimacy. So a sanctuary should be an intimate place where the guy in charge values intimacy, not one way communication, but intimacy. And we described intimacy as the nine gifts of the spirit working through the body and and literally the voice of God interacting with people through each other um, and each, you know, through that power of relationship, people weep, people cry, people are launched into their prophetic callings, people are embraced and encouraged and delivered, right? And, and a, a sanctuary should be a place where the throne room of God is set up and people are hearing the voice of the Lord. If the voice of the Lord is not being heard, then it's not the sanctuary of God. I don't care how much, how pretty that cross is on the front door. If they're just repeating scripture and Jesus isn't present saying what he wants to say in the moment, well, guess what? That's a, that's a dead religious um, synagogue, right? And if you, if you read the scripture um, in Mark chapter 1, it says Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. <laughs> I love that scripture, by the way. Um, why does it Why does it say that? Why Why does Jesus go to synagogue to synagogue? Didn't Jesus go around the countryside and cast out demons? No, he cast out demons from religious people who made a um, dead system out of scripture, right? 
that the, the Pharisees actually made a dead system out of Scripture. And Jesus looked at them and said, you are of your father, the devil. You are whitewashed tombs. You are um, dead men's bones. You are sepulchers. You are death, right? He's saying your system that you present to the people is death and it imprisons my people. And Jesus says, I go from synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. Go read it. Mark chapter 1. Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. That should, that should get you fired up early, early in the day because it gets me fired up. It's like, why does the Lord send me in the churches? You know why I love to go to churches? Because <laughs> I love to take the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we start casting out demons. Because Jesus said this about the Pharisee. He said, you are of your father, the devil. The devil actually knew scripture, right? James chapter 2 says that the devil knows scripture. So if you only know scripture or you think you know scripture and you make an idol out of scripture, guess what? You're doing the same thing Satan did because the thing Satan doesn't have is the Holy Spirit. Satan won't bow to the Spirit of God. And that's what the synagogue did. They embraced scripture but refused the relational, intimate knowing of the Spirit of God. And Jesus stood in front of the Pharisees in John 5, 38 and says, You search the scripture because you think you find life in it, but you can't see me standing in front of you. Jesus distinguished himself as a, a product of the Spirit of God. And the Pharisees were blind to recognize who he was because the Pharisees, their synagogues, were under the power of demonic powers. Demonic doctrines that isolated and separated the Spirit of God out of the picture. Okay? That should scare the living daylights out of many of you. Because um, if you don't see the power of God freely flowing in your home, um, in your church, um, well, guess what? Um... It could be a synagogue. It could be a place that is in desperate need of Jesus coming in and driving out the demons. Amen. And it requires, if you are in a place like that, it requires a death. You, it, it It's a hard thing for a person to realize, well, I thought this was real Christianity. I've never seen a demon cast out. I've actually never done it myself. I've actually never prayed for a person and seen healing. I've actually never prophesied or had words of knowledge. Well, guess what? You've been duped, man. You've been duped, and it requires a death. Jesus said, I don't care what religious system you're in, whether it's the law, whether it's Hinduism, whether it is Buddhism, it's all the same. It's all man-made system without the Holy Spirit. If you, if you recognize the, what Jesus sent, Jesus on, on the day of Pentecost, right, he says, don't leave this city, I'm sending the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't send a bunch of new scripture, he sent the Holy Spirit who would write on the hearts of men. Amen. And so it requires a death process. Jesus says in, in Romans 5, um, For if you've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. What resurrected Christ? Okay, it wasn't scripture. What resurrected Christ was the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead into sin. How do you reckon yourselves to be dead into sin? Is it because you stop sinning? The evidence of, of life in, your, in you is not in you not sinning. It's actually in you following the Holy Spirit. Two completely different concepts. Religious churches will drive you to focus on your sin issue. And churches filled with the life of the Spirit will lead you into the power of the Holy Ghost who will actually deliver you from sin and awaken you to follow the voice of God to live a supernatural life. Two distinct different things. One's dead and one's alive. So why do people that claim Christianity dwell in condemnation and sin? Why do they dwell in condemnation and guilt? Right? Because there's actually a law. In, in Romans 8 verse 1 it says, for, the, uh, for, the, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who have truly been resurrected in Christ. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay? The word law, the word law 
Um, for the law of, of the Spirit is actually the oracle. It actually means the voice of God. For the voice of God has made me free from the law. The word law there is the word condition, right? It literally means the condition laid out in the Scripture, okay? The conditions of the Old Testament were never able to save. Paul said that if the Old Testament could have saved, there would never have been a need for Christ. But because the Old Testament could not save, the prophecy was that Jesus would come in the likeness of men and birth a new thing. Okay? He would birth life. And so there's two distinct things. The law of the Spirit is the voice, the oracle. It actually means the voice of God, okay? It is the oracle, the voice of God that gives life. The condition of the law of the Old Testament actually brings condemnation and death. You cannot be saved by it. So I don't care what you don't do to not sin. What I do care about is you follow the voice because if you give your heart an intimacy, the Holy Spirit will change your life and sin won't be an issue in your life because you're in love with the Spirit. You're in love with the only thing that can purge sin from you, which cleanses your heart and makes your heart available to have the Holy Spirit right on you, okay? And so, you know, this, this concept of are you um, alive according to Christ is a big deal. Christ was made alive in, this, in, the, in the resurrection by the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can be made alive is by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be made alive by a, trying to achieve the conditions of the law, okay? The law of Moses cannot save you. And in fact, um, just to review the prophecy that I gave Life Church and the pastors up there, um, you know, the, the, the Lord used the gifts of the Spirit and the sword of the Spirit as symbols of Jeremiah 3.16, so I'm just going to read it. And it shall be that when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to their mind, nor shall they seriously remember it, nor shall they miss it or visit it, nor shall it be repaired or made again. For instead of the ark, I'm reading out of the Amplified here, for instead of the ark, which represents the potential of God's presence, he will show himself and be present in the city. Okay? The law, the, the ark of Moses, or the ark of the covenant that contained the law of Moses, it contained the manna that fell in the wilderness, and it contained... Aaron's budding rod were all symbols of the potential of what would come in Christ, right? But the ark, the, the law of Moses could not save a man. It could not cleanse the conscience of a man. People come to me all the time and they start saying, well, I, I accepted Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but I still feel this condemnation. I said, well, you've been, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been resurrected by the Spirit? Do you follow the voice of the Lord? They say, no. And they, they can't understand why they keep being bound in this guilt. You know why? Because they're looking to the ark, the thing that cannot save them. And Jesus is saying, sink the ark. The ark can't save you. I, God present, am the one who saves. And Jesus present is, is actually the Holy Spirit present with us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are made alive in the ability to hear the voice not in you and your own dead old heart trying to follow conditions. And there's a distinct difference. The heart is central and key, guys. The prophecy in Ezekiel 36 that says, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The heart of flesh is what hears the voice. The heart of flesh is what the pen of the Holy Spirit writes upon. But the heart of stone is the one who defaults to the way of man trying to follow the commands and the conditions of the old covenant. It's a reflection of Moses on the mountain when he, he's instructed to go back down the mountain and invite Israel up the mountain to meet God face to face and they refused to come. So the Lord gave them words on stone to reflect their heart. The Lord wanted to write on them personally. He wanted to write on their heart with his voice but because they refused his voice he gave them a heart, a, a uh, a stone condition to reflect their heart. You get the picture, guys? And so one one is deadly, one condemns you to death, and only one can resurrect, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit that speaks life into the hearts of men. Amen? So the question is, have you sunk the ark? 
Have you literally decided you're not um, going to focus your attention on following the conditions and the doctrines of devils that get people to focus on the on the conditions of the ark, the conditions of the law, but you give your life to the voice of the spirit, the oracle, right? The oracle. The oracle is where the power of the Holy Ghost is poured out, okay? And I'm going to go back to Romans 8, chapter 1 and 2, right? So there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The word law of sin and death actually means the conditions of the, of the law of Moses. The law of the Spirit actually means the oracle of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit in Christ has made me free from the conditions of the Old Covenant. Okay? Verse 3, For what the law, meaning the law of Moses, the conditions, could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on, a, on account for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteousness requirement of the law, meaning the the conditions of the old covenant might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit of God. So do you walk according to the spirit or do you dwell in trying to achieve the conditions of the old covenant law? Okay. One gives life, the other condemns. One gives life, the other condemns. Only the Holy Spirit can resurrect you guys. So you have, to, you have to understand deeply the fact that one one kills, the other gives life. And if you're bound in the old covenant, which Satan will push people to become dead by trying to achieve the old covenant, right? Life without the Holy Spirit is Satan's plan. Amen? So here's the deal. Let's go to um, Romans chapter 3, verse 21, because you have to... You have to recognize what Paul was trying to do in the book of Romans. He's trying to make it so clear to you that only the voice of the Holy Ghost gives life and that the conditions of the law cannot do anything to you but condemn you. And that's why people people claim to be Christian, but they live in condemnation and powerlessness because they've not been resurrected by the Spirit. And I want to show you some deep things in the scripture here that articulates that concept, okay? So, Romans uh, 3.21, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law, meaning the conditions, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. Okay, the, the concept of propitiation is Jesus became the cost, right? He became uh, the payment to set you free from being bound by the law. Okay, Satan will always try to get you back into the law, but Christ actually paid the price with his blood to set you free from the law of sin and death. He actually became sin who knew no sin, right? The Bible says that Jesus took on all the sin of the world. And if you believe in Christ, it is actually anti-Christ for you to believe you have to carry your guilt and shame and, and all the conditions of, of guilt and condemnation. It, that's actually demonic, okay? To come to Christ is to actually give him honor for what he accomplished. He actually accomplished victory at the cross, taking guilt and condemnation and what the law could not do. He actually took it all to the grave. Okay, so let's go on to verse 27. So where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Okay, of works. He's talking about the law, meaning conditions. Of works, of, of the conditions of the old covenant? He says, no, by the law of faith. The word law there is actually the word oracle. Okay, so he's, he's distinguishing again between the voice, the oracle of the Holy Spirit in contrast to the condemning conditions of the old covenant. Okay? Amen? So verse 27, There we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, meaning conditions. 
Okay, you are not, faith only comes, we talked about this a lot here, man, if you listen to my stuff, Romans 10, 17 is a foundational element of my ministry because it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the voice. The word hearing there, um, it, the word uh, voice, the word word is the word rhema, meaning the voice of God. Faith can only come by the voice. You can't manufacture faith. You can't read 20 scriptures and say, yep, I'm going to be faithful today, Okay. You know why? Because you're going to Scripture instead of going to the Holy Spirit. You're going to Scripture instead of going to the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat it again. If you're trying to read a bunch of Scripture and make yourself faithful, you're doing it in your own self-will, your own self-desire, which is a religious process, in contrast to going to the Holy Spirit and expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because only the Holy Spirit has the ability to impart faith to you. Faith is an impartation. It's not a man-made achievement. You cannot create faith. Faith is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit only. And only the Holy Spirit can give you faith. You cannot manufacture faith. So I don't know who deceived you, who took you down the wrong path, who told you to memorize 20 scriptures and start quoting a bunch of scriptures to try to create um, faith in yourself. But if the Lord actually gave you a scripture... Right? He's actually speaking to you a scripture. That's different. You are actually being imparted a specific scripture that the Lord wants to reveal to you and awaken faith around a concept. Okay? You get the picture? Faith is an impartation from a relationship. We talked last time about the Holy Spirit impregnating the body of Christ with visions and dreams and words of knowledge and prophecy. Faith is a product of intimacy. Faith cannot be manufactured by a person um, that is without intimacy with the Holy Spirit, but on their own trying to read a bunch of scripture and make themselves faithful. Not possible. Only intimacy with the Holy Spirit and hearing the voice of God impart faith to you. It's an intimate act, guys. It's an intimate act. And the picture we talked about with Ephesians 5, um, with the husband and the wife and the position of the bride to hear and be impregnated, right? You should go into prayer every day with the Holy Spirit impregnating you with vision, with what the Lord is saying, excuse me, with what, with the power of, of the sperma, the voice of the Lord, right? The, 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 the testes um, of the Holy Spirit literally releasing the seed that is living into you and producing something, right? The picture of Mary that we talked about is a relational dynamic. It is the Lord sends a messenger to speak to Mary and Mary says, for with God, nothing is impossible. And we, we talked about how it is the Holy Spirit, um, the rhema word of the Lord um, that impregnates a person um, and overcomes what is impossible. So if you have a bunch of impossible things, if you have, <clears throat> excuse me, marriage problems, financial problems, problems with your kids, um, you know how you overcome them? Not by you memorizing a bunch of scripture and declaring it. It's by you going into intimate relationship and getting the vision from the Lord who impregnates you with faith to overcome a dark thing and give birth, give life to a, a situation that you could never do on your own. Okay, that's a relationship. It comes with relationship. And we, we talked last time about the intimacy being a foundational element of the shepherd of Jeremiah 3.15. The Lord is awakening shepherds who are going to produce a platform of intimacy. Amen. In Romans 4.3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He, he had intimate relationship with God. He, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. <laughs> that, that's a big one, right? A lot of people have been taught and it's been beat into their head. Read your Bible, read your Bible, conform to the Bible, achieve the Bible. Well, guess what? That just produces a whole bunch of religious inability, condemnation and guilt from a law that can't save a person. And Paul is actually, as Paul being a converted Pharisee is saying, I live that life. I tried to achieve it. There was no life in it. I knew all the scripture. I knew the first four books of the Bible. I had them memorized and it could not save me. It could not break the condemnation and guilt in me. 
and he's pointing to Abraham who encountered God and God spoke to him and and Paul is saying Abraham was made righteous in the impartation of faith from the voice of the Lord okay that's why the encounter is so important guys the encounter with the Lord himself the daily prayer and the ability to pray in tongues that induces the encounter Right, that we talked. We, if you've listened to my stuff, you know that I, I beat on you guys that you pray in tongues with an expectation that the Lord is going to encounter you. That's what the, that's what the gift is for. It's it's a baby crying for the milk of of heaven, right? To be fed by heaven. It's a relational heart cry in in a heart of a believer that believes in the power of the Spirit. Okay, because it makes you righteous. I have to hear the Lord every day because righteousness is a is a continual impartation. Okay? So Romans 4, continuing with verse, yeah, continuing with verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Um, and I'm gonna jump down to Romans 4:23. Now it has uh, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, right? But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him. Who's him? The Holy Spirit who raised up Christ from the dead. The word raised up, there's the word origio. It means to be raised from death. The Holy Spirit is the only one that has the power to raise the dead, to raise anything dead in you, anything dead that you're dealing with, a dead marriage, a dead relational dynamic, a dead financial situation. The Holy Ghost is the one who origios you, who resurrects you and comes and speaks into your life, right? So, so the concept here, guys, is Paul was saying that I'm using Abraham as an example who birthed as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashores, the promise that was given to Abraham that he would birth a new nation through a vo through the voice of the Lord releasing promise into his life, it made him righteous. And Paul is saying, spend your time in relationship with the Holy Spirit like Abraham, who had faith imparted to him, who was raised up by the Holy Ghost. Amen. I mean, think of this, the, ver verse, verse 23 again. Now it was now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but also for us that's you and me if Jesus our lord um was raised from the uh, I'm sorry it, it shall be imputed to us who believe who raised up Jesus our lord from the dead who who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification okay listen guys you're dead without the voice of the spirit but the point of christ taking sin and death to the grave and coming up with all authority all the keys were in the hands of christ and he says stay here in this city until i send the holy spirit that is not a one-time baptism that is a daily baptism every day i wake up it's like holy spirit raise me up today what do you have to say to me today what are we going to confront today what are we going to awaken today what are we going to prophesy to what are we going to cast out Lord, where are you sending me today? What is my assignment today? Where are we walking together today? Amen. That is a life of liberty and freedom because faith is imparted through an expectation of relationship instead of a religious dead process of going to a church once a week to hear a preacher. Amen. You, you with me, church? So you are to become ministers of liberation. Amen. And so... Liberation is a supernatural thing, all right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 2 to 6, it says, You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Okay, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart, that we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter of the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, 
but the Spirit gives life. My God. He's, he's describing the shift in you beating conditions into yourself and into the people around you saying, this is what the Scripture says. This is what the Scripture says. This is what the Scripture says. He's actually saying, listen, you are raised by my voice in, in, in spiritual life and relationship, okay? And as you value my voice, you will also value my voice. I will write on your hearts as you stand before men, and I teach you to prophesy. I teach you to impart and release what I am saying to you. Because your value system of my spirit is so profound, I will use you to impart that value into others. I will take you to the condemned synagogue, to the condemned dead place, and, and to the place of the sinner. Both will receive my vision and dream for their life because of your value and life with me. Okay? You get the picture, guys? I mean, that is a supernatural picture of the Lord making you supernatural and a person that no longer values trying to achieve something and being subject and bound by a demonic situation that has come and, and maybe taken a child, taken, taken um, you know, a, a person's ability taken um, uh, a person's even ability to speak or or their health instead of being bound in inability you are bound in the one who has ability and that is G has Jesus trusted the Holy Spirit to raise him up so shall you be in the likeness of the resurrection of Christ because you don't look to the conditions of the old covenant law to raise you. You actually submit yourself in spiritual prayer and are raised up by the oracle, the voice of the Holy Spirit who drops visions and dreams, words of knowledge, prophecy, working of miracles, um, wisdom, revelation. All the gifts of the Spirit are dropped into the heart of those who submit themselves to the way of the Spirit. And the Lord begins to write on your heart, this is what I'm going to do with you today, Dave. This is what I'm going to do with your children. This is what I'm going to do with your wife. And oh, by the way, I'm going to send you to Canada. And oh, by the way, I'm going to send you to Rochester. And oh, by the way, I'm going to send you to Kansas City. And oh, by the way, um, in 2024, I'm sending you back to Delhi. And you're going to awaken another thousand pastors in the power of the Holy Ghost. You know why I believe and wait on the voice of the Lord? Because what I just described is the way the Lord has mapped out my life. Okay? And I live by what the Lord is saying to me. I've moved my family now. This is my fourth time moving in the last 10 years because, because the Lord is speaking to me about what He's going to do. Okay? And what we're seeing here now in Tampa... Um, seeing seeing a, a 2,000 member church that has zero Holy Spirit, um, a, a, a complete Baptist sensationalist theology now being transformed into a, a supernatural Holy Ghost filled church. Um, it's part of the vision of the Lord. Okay, people say, why'd you move to Tampa? Because he gave me the vision five years ago that Tampa would be in my path and when the opportunity came to for Tampa I said yes because I already knew that it was the vision of the Lord amen and so freedom is an actual process of relationship okay the the, the breaking of condemnation is actually a mindset of of false expectation when you put your expectation in the old covenant and the conditions of the law that cannot save, cannot resurrect, guess what? You've been twisted, man. You've been deceived into a religious process. It's, it's no different in trying to achieve the Ten Commandments. It's, it's the same thing as being a Buddhist. It's the same thing as being, um, you know, a, a Hindu. It's the same thing as being a Muslim. Those are all man-made systems written on hearts of stone that cannot save but only condemn. Condemnation is written through all of it, okay? A, a, a Muslim has a thousand conditions to achieve, okay? It's no different than the law that the Lord wrote to reflect the stone heart of men in contrast to the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus um, came. Jesus came to conquer the law to separate you from the conditions that cannot save you, written in the law, and gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could follow the Holy Spirit in relationship, okay? 
That, and that's the, that's the difference with Christianity. Okay, Christianity um, is life because the Holy Spirit was given to awaken relationship with God directly. Okay, the Old Covenant could not give the entire body relationship with God directly. Okay, even the priest in the Old Covenant, the Levite priest, could not have direct communication with the Lord on a routine basis. It was on certain days, certain um, defined months where the priest went in and confessed sin. They actually didn't have a relationship. They actually went in to confess. Okay, so when they went in to confess, um, they would actually tie a rope around the priest's leg into the holy place because the priest would oftentimes be struck dead as a representation of the sin that the people were in. Okay, and I'll tell you this, like the Catholic Church is set up in an Old Testament priest concept and the and instead of the people going directly to the voice of the Lord, they simply listen to the priest. That's clear Old Testament, guys. Clear Old Testament. Okay? Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit want direct relationship with every person. It's a relational dynamic that separates that separates true Christianity from all of the other religions of the world. All right? So here's the deal. You got to say no to conditions. Right? Condition examples of the conditions of the law, the grain offering, the heifer offering, um, and even the Levite tithing concept. Okay? Do you guys know that tithing as a Levite, as a Levite priest with the 10% rule is actually, it's a law, it's an element of the law. Okay? In, in the law, it actually says, it actually says this, um, let me get to it, Numbers 18, we see the Levitical tithe, um, I'm sorry, uh, in, in Numbers 18, the Levitical tithe is, is, is laid out in this manner, verse 20, Numbers 18, verse 20, and the Lord spoke unto Aaron, thou shalt have no inheritance in the land, neither shall... Um, you have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. All right, so so here's the deal. The Levite had no inheritance in the land, okay? None. They had none. And because they had no inheritance, they were given 10% of the quote-unquote tithe, all the animals, everything that was brought in by the people um, to reflect their requirement okay a tithe is a is a reflection of a requirement of the law okay so the people had to bring in their grain offering they had to bring in their heifers they had to bring in um, all of their harvest stuff um, they brought in 10 percent they brought in um, as the Lord required them um, and, and if you go to verse 26 thus speak unto the Levites and say unto them when you take the children of Israel's tithes which I have given you, from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. Okay, so he's talking about the, the Levite priest actually taking a tenth of all the tithes coming in, okay, and and even commanding the, the Levite on how to manage that. Okay? Those are those are those are old covenant requirements that support a priest system. Did you know that the Lord actually addresses the Levite being purged by the fire of the Holy Spirit and breaking the assignment of the Levite tithing concept, the Levite alone relational dynamic with the Lord? Instead of only the Levite being able to go into the holy place, the Lord wants the whole body. So instead of the Levite being the priest, um, the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, 8, 9, 6, 7, 8, 9, um, talk about the work of Christ as the high priest. Jesus is your high priest who defeated the law, who took the law to the grave, right? It, it, it actually says in the New Covenant that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. And so the law is no longer in, in, um, in effect, right? The law is no longer in effect if you are in Christ. But if you are not in Christ, the law is in effect. So which are you under, people? Are you under the law of Moses 
or are you under the law of the voice of the Holy Spirit, which Paul explains in Romans 8 too? You can't be in both. If you're, well, let me put it this way. If you are not submitted to the, to the law of the oracle of God, the voice of God, then you by default are claiming Christianity only by means of the law of Moses. Okay? But here's the deal. The Lord prophesies in Malachi 3. This is verse, uh, starting with verse 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. When... Um, when he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So he's talking about what the Levi was doing in the old covenant process. The Levite was the priest chosen by God to reflect the people's hearts. And as the people brought forth their tithe, they were to offer the tithe to the Lord. Okay? And the Lord says, no, when my Jesus Christ comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. And there will be no need for the Levite to claim the tithe from the people. For I will be in direct communication with my people. My people will know me and I will know my people. Okay, that is the power of the fire, the baptism of fire, right? It purges even the law, the, the, the old law of, of, of Moses. Okay, so the fire, which is the presence, it's symbolic of the presence of the Lord himself. Every person baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire can talk to the Lord himself, right? And no longer do you need a priest because Jesus is your high priest, so if Jesus is your high priest, what is the concept of tithing doing in your vocabulary? Okay? Now I will say this. I believe in the, in the law of sowing and reaping in the new covenant. It is real. And it actually in the new covenant, Paul says, he, he talks to the Philippians and he says, if you believe in what I'm doing, sow into what I'm doing because there is, um, you will reap, you will reap what I um, am going to sow into the people in, in Greece and Turkey and all the places the Lord is sending me. I need finance to go to, because I'm going to baptize people in the Holy Ghost and fire and their sin will be purged because I'm taking the Holy Spirit. I'm not taking the law. I'm taking the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so why would you fall back to a system of tithing that is reflective of a law where the Levite goes to God for you instead of you going in relationship to God. That's a deep concept there, guys. But it's real because most of most church-going people think they're good because they listen to a guy in a pulpit who is a symbol, symbolic of the Levite. They are the one, the awe-struck one, the great one, standing in a pulpit that the body actually... Just whatever the guy says, they believe, right? Whatever the guy says to do, they, they go do it. You know why? Only a person who doesn't follow the Holy Spirit is going to do whatever a man in a pulpit says. And if it includes you, taking your money from you in an old dead Levite system, guess what? They do it to you. And many of you, and I'm, I'm talking this way because you have to... You have, to, you have to search this out on your own, guys. I'm just giving you enough to, to create the potential that the law system actually has been fully delivered from you from Christ. And if you are in Christ, Jesus is your high priest. And the reason why you give is to sow and to take the male gifts, right? The power of the Holy Ghost into the world to impregnate the world with the Holy Spirit. And if you sow into that, guess what? You are sowing into new covenant kingdom processes. You are sowing into the power of the Holy Ghost being spread across the world. And instead, many of you give your money into a dead Levite thing that hasn't had new people come in, hasn't had, uh, ha hasn't had people come to get filled with the Holy Ghost, hasn't had anything supernatural happen in your four walls for decades, yet you are bound into an old system thinking that you're giving because you're required to. And the Lord is saying, 
I fulfilled the law and the prophets. I no longer require your tithe under the old covenant, but I want your whole heart in the new covenant. You see, in the new covenant, Jesus doesn't just want 10% of your money. He actually wants your life. In, in Luke, Luke 9, it says, For he, for he who um, desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is talking about your whole heart, guys. He doesn't want like 10% of you, 10% of your heart, and then 90% of your heart is still heart of, a heart of stone following conditions. He wants your whole heart. He wants you to follow his voice into the unknown and to become supernatural in the power of your of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I, you know, I hope, I hope this was revelatory for you today because um, I encourage you, you know, this Jeremiah 315 um, concept, I believe is, is going to spread like wildfire across the earth. I believe the concept of intimacy and the people hearing the Lord and freely being given the choice to sow into what is real. Okay. And I encourage you, and I'm telling you this right now, you do not have to dump your money as a condition of tithing, no matter what they have, have deceived you into thinking. Okay. If the law is dead, Old Testament tithing is dead, which frees you to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit to find a tribe, a group of people that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit where everybody is hearing the voice of God and that that Christ is the high priest. There is no high priest between you and, and Christ, okay? Christ is your high priest and the voice of the Holy Spirit is profoundly heard in your life and you freely sow because, because the law of the sowing and reaping is, is mentioned many times in the New Testament, right? Sowing and reaping is a product of faith, okay? If, if, if there are people um, around you that are called, you know, the Lord is sending this guy to L.A., the Lord is sending another guy to um, Indonesia, the Lord is sending another guy to Cape Town, South Africa, and you sow into them to, for them to fulfill the mission of taking the Holy Spirit to the nations, guess what? You will reap what you sow, okay? And so sowing and reaping is a relational dynamic with the Holy Spirit. It's not a condition, okay? You, some of you have heard me tell the story. I mean, sometimes I give certain amounts to certain people that I believe the Lord is unctioning and working on and is, there's going to be fruit from it. I will not give money to a situation that there's not going to be fruit unless the Lord sends me and says, do this, I do it, right? I, I've told the story um, where the Lord asked me for my bank account. Um, I actually went to a church uh, three, four years ago. Um, and as I'm preaching, I was preaching about the thousandfold blessing. Um, and it comes time to do the offering. And I heard the Lord say, write them a thousand dollar check. And I'm like, what the heck? I came, I came here to minister. I actually went there to sow into their ministry, not only with a prophecy, but with money that reflected what the Lord was going to do in that church. Okay. I didn't take any money from them. And I actually gave a thousand dollars to preach. Tell me, show, show, show me how many preachers of the gospel will do that in this day and age. Okay. But here's the deal, guys. The concept of money will, will divide, will separate and define what's real in, in the church. Okay. Will you preach for nothing? Listen, guys, I actually spent probably 60, 70, $80,000 over a four year period to preach the gospel and to get 5,000 pastors baptized in the Holy Ghost in, in India. Okay. I paid for it. I literally invested in it because the Lord told me to invest in where he was sending me. Okay. And so the concept of tithing, I just, I just, you guys need to be praying about this because this is deeply embedded as a religious condition, a process. And you have to know it's not a condition. All the, either all the conditions of the law were defeated and taken care of by Christ or none of them were. Okay. So you have to lay down everything you've learned about tithing and being willing to follow the voice because in one season, he'll say, sit here and save your money. In another season, he'll say, I'm sending you. I want you to spend your money to go preach. I want you to, I want you to invest in, in Bob 
who's called by God to, to go to Toronto, Canada um, to, to, to do the next spiritual awakening in Toronto? Um, and will you invest in that person, not with an expectation of having money returned to you, but actually sowing and reaping into the kingdom? Okay? The concept of sowing and reaping is a spiritual um, element where that spirituality is a multiplication of the Spirit where, where the Lord sends people to release the power of the Spirit. Amen? I know this is, this is deep for many of you. Um, many of you, I mean, I, I, I know what America is like. I've preached in a lot of churches in America. And even the best ones have some deep, deep tithing elements that are law-based, okay? Because pastors are still um, reliant upon the law to serve them. And, and unknowingly, they're, they're functioning as a Levite instead of a New Testament free man who relies on the Lord to fulfill their needs. There's a difference. Because because a, a, a pastor who is not free from the law will use the law to ensure they have money coming into the church. But a pastor who is free will fully trust in the Holy Spirit and not beat on the people for tithing challenges and tithing this and tithing that. But they will, they will be people that trust that if the Lord wants it to live, it'll live. If the Lord wants it to die and there's a new thing that he wants me to do, so be it. And, you know, you have pastors that invest millions of dollars in buildings that set themselves up to have to force people into tithing instead of having the freedom of the Holy Spirit to free flow into living rooms, into other nations, wherever the Lord sends you because you're not tied even to a mortgage you're actually tied to the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And there's a difference. And so, guys, I hope this was revelatory for you. I hope I hope um, you embrace the challenge because here's the deal. You need to ask the Holy Spirit for yourself. You need to understand the concepts of sowing and reaping versus tithing. And, and ask the Holy Spirit, are you functioning under Old Testament law? Or are you truly flowing in the voice of the Holy Spirit, allowing you to be led through the rest of your walk on this earth. Not tied to a place, but tied and connected to the voice of the Spirit who will give and take away, who will provide and, and actually strip people of things when they need stripped. Because when he wants to kill something so that he can birth a new thing, you're free and willing to do it instead of being forced um, by, a, by, a, by a law mindset and be tied to a single place. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for the grace of the law-breaking anointing of the Holy Ghost to come upon every person. Lord, in every way that uh, people are still tied to the old covenant, I pray, Lord, that the fire that even purges the Levite priest and separates them from the powerless law, Lord, that I pray that anointing of fire will come upon the people, that they would right now be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, that they would no longer be bound in sin and condemnation of the, of the Old Testament law, but they would be uh, connected and resurrected by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that every gift of the Spirit would flow through them, that, that absolute trust with the Holy Spirit would be the foundation that sets them up to walk freely upon this earth. In Jesus' name, let that grace fall upon every person. Amen. Amen. I just I want to encourage you guys. Pray in the Holy Ghost, guys. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Spend your time every day praying in the Holy Ghost. And you watch what the Holy Ghost does with you. You watch the revelation that the Lord will give with you. You watch what the Lord will do with your giftings and, and sending you to do supernatural things. Amen. Again, uh, if, if there's anybody who, who uh, is looking to start and birth things in their living room, um, if, if you're looking, if you're in a wilderness season, give me a call. Who knows? I mean, the Lord, we are birthing things all over the place and um, just seeing supernatural things. So I encourage you, um, if you want to reach out, you know, get on, get on the website there, contact me. And I'll help you any way I can. Amen. All right. You guys have a great day. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. 
D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.